Hey everyone, I'm Scott Cunningham, aka Scottsy Business, and today we're going to be covering stablecoins. This will be the first part of a most likely five-part series where I'll be covering all the different types of stablecoins as well as um, doing a breakdown or a comparison of what I actually think is the best or what my preferences are at the very end of the series. So in this episode, we'll be covering fiat-backed or fiat-collateralized stablecoins. Uh, in future episodes, we'll be covering non-collateralized or algorithmic stablecoins like UST, which recently, uh, along with Luna, pretty much tanked half the market. So I know that's probably more interesting and what people are probably more interested in hearing about, but that'll be the next episode. There's just so much to cover for fiat-backed stablecoins, which is probably what more people are familiar with anyways in terms of stablecoins. And the question that we're trying to answer here is, are they safe? And beyond that, are they stable? So that's what I'm really seeking to do with all these different episodes in this series and uh, trying to give you guys some more insight into stablecoins and how they really work and are they really safe to use and are should you even really be using them at all? Uh, and again, we'll cover uh, crypto back coins in the future episode. We'll cover algorithmic coins. We'll cover um, commodity backed coins like gold backed coins. Uh, and then we'll also talk about CBDCs, which are central bank digital currencies. And that's not really a thing yet, but that's coming. And, uh, and then we'll compare all of them in the final episode. So before we dive into all this today, looking at Tether, uh, True Token, uh, Coinbase's stablecoin, Binance's stablecoin, and Gemini, before we dive into all that good stuff today, a quick word from my sponsor. A big thank you and shout out to my sponsor, Cake Wallet, which is an open source, non-custodial Bitcoin and Monero wallet that also has a built-in exchange. It's available on iOS and Android. Thanks again to my sponsor. So let's jump into it. Um, like I said, there's five categories of stablecoins, more or less. I'm going to be covering the first category today, which is fiat-backed stablecoins, which is just simply fiat if, you, if you're not familiar with crypto uh, terminology is just referring to any currency related to a country. So like Canadian dollars, a sovereign currency, uh, US dollars, etc. Most stable coins are backed around uh, US dollars and that's what they're really focused on. There are many other stable coins that do focus on other cryptocurrency, I mean on other fiat currencies. There's Canadian stable coins, there's different stable coins for many different fiat currencies, but the most popular is US-based uh, fiat-backed stablecoins. Quite a mouthful. Um, so we're going to be talking mainly about some of the top ones um, and some of the most prominent ones, like I mentioned earlier, uh, Tether, Coinbase's coin slash Circles coin, USDC. Um, we'll also take a look at Binance, BUSD. We'll look at True Token, USD, uh, TUSD and Gemini uh, GUSD. And we'll also briefly look at Paxos's because that's kind of lumped in with Binance, but there's other ones, but these are kind of some of the main ones that we'll be looking at today in terms of fiat-backed stablecoins. So I'm gonna share my screen and we'll kind of go through some of the stuff that I've brought up and uh, I'll touch on you know, some of the various things that I've written out here and talked about because the main theme that we're going to be seeing today is that 
most, if not really just all fiat backed stable coins are highly, highly centralized to the degree that they could just reverse a transaction and no one, you know, can really say anything about that, or they could pause a transaction or blacklist or do whatever they pretty much want more effectively than a bank could, which is actually somewhat concerning if that's kind of what you're trying to get away from. Uh, these are more efficient and more centralized, I would say, than even the banking system because of how quickly they can do things that will affect the system very intensely uh, versus like a bank will take a lot more work and there's more regulatory framework to keep them you know, they're being audited. These guys, all, all these stable coins aren't really being audited very legitimately, in my opinion. And a lot of their attestation reports are just, you know, a page or two, same template, just copy pasted with an updated number. So it doesn't feel very legitimate to me or like they've really done much to prove that they really have what they have backing them. So the two major themes are, do they really have the amount that they claim backing them? Or is this just another, you know, infinite money printer, just like the banks? Uh, and then, you know, how centralized are they really? Which is pretty much as centralized as you can get if you don't want to watch the whole video. But we're going to take a look at each of the individual coins and kind of break it down. So we'll start off by taking a look at uh, Tether. But just before we do jump into that, I'll quickly share with you some of the uh, many stable coins that we have listed here. So, I mean, you can see we've got all these different stable coins. Um, some of these are fiat backed, several that I've already mentioned, and some are, you know, uh, algorithmic, some are just crypto backed. We'll get into all that in future episodes, but the most popular, most widely used with the like with massive market caps in comparison to everything else are all of the fiat backed stable coins like uh, USDT, USDC, and BUSD. DAI is a crypto back stablecoin, and we'll cover that in a future episode. UST is algorithmic and basically completely tanked. Uh, it's only 11 cents now when it should be a dollar. And we'll get into all that in, in a future episode as well. And then TUSD and PAX dollars, as I mentioned. So most of the top coins are fiat backed stablecoins, which is what you'll mostly see and that's generally what most people are referring to when they talk about stablecoins. And all a stablecoin is, as I was saying before, is just it's pegged to the dollar. So it's meant to be one to one backed by uh, US dollars in, in this case when we're talking about US based stablecoins. So the idea is that, you know, for USDT, they've got $75.6 billion in circulation. So they should technically have. $75.6 billion worth of cash in a reserve account um, that is equal to what they've got. I mean, that's not necessarily what they're claiming because they used to claim that, but now they say they have 100% backed from reserves, which we'll dive into the nitty gritty of that. But generally the idea is that they've got the same amount of money that is in circulation and you know there should be no issues with that. That's not really the case, so we'll have to really dive into what this all means. Um, and then also, if you don't know what a stablecoin is and you really like this isn't good enough to give you an idea of what it actually means, I would recommend going and looking at uh, coin market caps breakdown. It's a very solid breakdown to explain to you kind of what it all means. They've got the four types of stablecoins here. They don't include CBDCs yet because they're not 
um, really out yet. So, I mean, that might not end up here for a while or might be considered something else entirely. I would consider that, uh, I mean, hopefully it would be stable. So I would consider that the fifth category that is sort of on the way. But let's talk about the transparency of Tether and the reports that they put out, right? So they actually have uh, other cryptocurrencies as well. They've got ERUT, which is for the Euro, uh, CNHT and XAUT. I think this is Australia. I'm not sure what this is. Um, but they've got them on different chains and stuff, mainly for USDT. They're on many different chains. And if you're not sure what that means, it's essentially just that they've issued tokens on each of these chains that, uh, represent a portion of each of the amounts that they've got. And it's all breaking out so that you can trade it across multiple chains and it's providing you liquidity to be swapping between, you know, cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, Ethereum, et cetera and being able to get back to a solid form of money without having to just entirely cash out through a centralized exchange, for example. So they're on several chains here, and this just gives you an idea of what they have. However, this is all self-reported. Looking at the reserves breakdown here, you can actually see that only 83.74% are cash and cash equivalent and other short-term deposits and commercial paper. That's quite the mouthful. But you look and you see 83%, you know, that's not that bad. That's the majority. And then you look and they break that down and it's actually only 6% is cash. That's lower than what banks have. Banks legally, as far as I'm aware, have to keep about eight to 10% uh, in case there's a run on the banks to be able to actually give that money back. There's a run on Tether. They have less than what the banks even hold. Only 6.36% of 83%. So that's even less. That's like 4%-ish. Insane. I. It's very, very concerning that... Um, so many people are using this. There's like 75, 74 billion dollars in Tether. And most of it is just being like lended and invested. And they're doing anything they can to make money with your money, but they're not actually really backing it with pretty much anything. Um, like what's 4% of 75 billion? Imagine if just a small fraction of people were able to uh, withdraw their funds from USDT, they could crash all, like everything with such little effort. So 4% of uh, 75 billion is about $3 billion. Well, it only took $4 billion worth of Bitcoin supposedly to crash UST. And UST was a fraction of the size of USDT. I believe, well, maybe not a fraction. I think it was like 20 billion or something like that. And this is 75 billion. So, I mean, if, if we saw something similar, like that would be pretty wild. Although the difference is that with UST, um, it was because of the arbitrage between Luna and UST and the printing and uh, burning and the minting and burning back and forth versus this is supposed to be fiat backed, not algorithmic. So it's not quite the same, but if there was like a run on Tether, 
uh, we would see some pretty catastrophic fallout from that playing out because again, they have such a small percentage, very, very concerning. And while they might appear stable, they're not even remotely stable or secure or reliable. Run away from Tether. I mean, at least, at the very least, Tether is the only project that actually offers you this breakdown. And at least they're honest as far as we can tell. I mean, it would be pretty weird for them to lie about the fact that they only have like 4% of your funds. Um, Cause like what would they, would they lie down? It doesn't really make sense. Are they lying up? Do they really only have 1%? I mean, you might as well just be honest at this point, but again, we really don't know still, you know, for someone who thinks that it's actually backed one-to-one, this would kind of show you otherwise. I mean, this is what they're telling you too. So, you know, be weary of that. Plus, if you're actually going to refer to any of their reports, um, and the last one was only done in December, it's only like, it's a short report. Like there's not much in here and every report that they put out are just the same report with updated numbers. So it's not like they're really saying much in each report or giving you much information, let alone any proof that any of this is actually backed. Um, they're just giving you the amounts more or less with sort of like a disclaimer type thing attached to it. Um, this is all just boilerplate because it's going to be the same pretty much regardless of the report that you get. They're all pretty much the same. I mean, we can go way, way back though. I mean, they will differ a little bit um, from company to company because obviously different companies report things differently, but they're all generally, you know, a few pages long, uh, Tether's actually got one of the longer reports. Most of the ones I looked at were only a couple pages, but even still, um, there's not really a whole lot on these um, for me to say, oh yeah, I trust this now because you don't have to trust Tether anymore. You just have to trust more. So either way, you still end up in a situation where you're relying on just trusting some entity that why should I trust them with you know, $74 billion or whatever, right? So um, pretty skeptical when you can't really prove this stuff. And, you know, there's not much else that can be said other than that. There's no real way to prove any of these. And it's the same for all of these platforms. I mean, all of these, not platforms, but these, these stable coins, there's no definitive proof that I can point to and say, 100% without a doubt, the money is there. We're just relying on someone reporting back to us that it is in fact the case. They could be paid out, who knows, right? I don't know, I'm not going to assume that I know, but it's not like there's anything keeping them really in check or preventing them from doing something malicious. Moving on from uh, Tether, well actually no, before we jump off of Tether, I wanted to illustrate how powerful they really are because Tether and all of these cryptocurrencies basically have the ability to have 100% control and centralization over their cryptocurrency. The reason that this is so important again is that the whole ethos behind this is that we have liquidity in crypto and we're getting away from the banks and relying on the banks. These really just create an extension of the banks where they can 
still do all of the sketchy stuff. They can blacklist your address. They can freeze your stuff. They can destroy your amounts. They can revert transactions. There's no way for you to escape their authority and, and the bubble of control that they have over the, their stablecoin. So it's really just like what the banks are doing and then with just way more overreach and you know digital technology to amplify that that control. And um, if you're trying to get away from that, then this is definitely not the solution for you. For people who are wondering, are stable coins reliable or safe? No, because they can just take away all your money right away in, in like the snap of a finger. So this is an example where they froze millions of dollars of worth of USDT in 40 addresses uh, due to regulatory pressures. So millions and millions of dollars, they're able to just freeze it. You can't use it anymore. They've got it. Uh, and there's nothing that can really stop it. So you can see this list of uh, banned addresses. I'm sure if you went to this link now, it would be significantly higher because this was, um, when was this? This was still like two years ago. So I can guarantee almost that there'll be way, way more now. Let me see if I can quickly find it because I hadn't prepared this aspect. Oh my God, 635 band address. So in the last two years, they've really expanded how much, how much banning they've been doing. That's, that is wild. I will have to include this link on my, uh, in my description so you guys could check this out too. But that is really wild and really unfortunate to see, but that's the reality. They can ban people, ruin all of your finances. Maybe you just got an amazing sale. You, you sold Bitcoin at the top. You're rich. You sold it for USDT. And for some reason they've decided no. And they freeze your account and even though you were doing everything right, you sold your Bitcoin, you did everything perfect, you decided to use USDT and they decided you couldn't. So you get screwed and you lose all your money just because they say so. And who are you gonna contact to deal with this kind of stuff? Like it's insane that we've gotten so far with crypto and then we have so much reliance on stable coins that are 100% centralized and the opposite of the ethos that a lot of people are using crypto for to begin with. That's pretty much all I have to say about USDT. I've included some more stuff in my uh, my write-up and my description. You can check that out as well. I also talked about you know their market caps and where they actually sit in comparison to other coins because... You know, Tether has a massive chunk of the market. And if you combine a lot of the stable coins, they hold a very, very significant amount of the market chunk of crypto in general. And if something were to happen, you know, that could have a very dramatic effect and impact on uh, the prices of like Bitcoin, Ethereum, et cetera, and pretty much the whole market. As we saw with just UST uh, tanking the whole market, even though it was a significantly smaller coin than, uh, you know, something like USDT still has a major, major impact. And uh, if there was anything like that with any of these, it would be catastrophic. So let's move on to USDC. Um, oh, and a little quick extra backstory for uh, Tether is that it's run by uh, Bitfinex, I believe. Maybe just uh, confirm this somewhere. Yeah, Bitfinex, uh, and they started Tether LTD, and then they run it through that. Uh, 
Circle and Coinbase are the ones who started USDC. And not that much different from Tether. I mean, they call themselves an open source project. Not really sure what that means because they're not open source. Um, it's just like what I talked about in my recent episode of semantics around blockchain. Uh, it's just buzzwords, you open source, blockchain based, you know, say whatever you got to say, if it makes it sound better. Uh, if you actually go and look at their white paper, which I've linked, you can see that they never intended to be a uh, open source, you know, decentralized project, if that's what they're alluding to, because um, let's see where I actually had this quote here. Um, in their white paper, they say this approach is distributed, though it does not purport to be or aim to be entirely decentralized or at all decentralized because none of these plat, none of these projects, these stable coins are decentralized. It's not really that they were ever claiming that they were, although they do use words like open source and things like that. Um, but it's just important that you know that. So if you're in the crypto space and you're like, oh, well, this is a cryptocurrency as well, so it's probably fine. No, unlike Bitcoin or Ethereum, they can just, some central authority can just take away your money, stop a transaction, do whatever they want to do, and you really have no say. Very, very different from the decentralized uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum cryptocurrency in comparison. Now, they have this independent firm apparently doing these attestations, uh, and you can go and check any of these out and take a look. Like I said, very, very short, a couple pages, just basically saying um, they're copy pasted pretty much almost the same words and everything in each one. It's just they're updating the amount. And how am I supposed to rely on that? Just you're just telling me a new amount. So again, we're not really relying on uh, Circle or Coinbase. We're relying on Grant Thornton. And I don't know if they've been corrupted or, or anything could happen. You're just relying on on them and hoping that they're correct. And every time you're never really getting a objectively 100% true thing that's been proven, you're just always, again, relying on some other source. We need trustless solutions with blockchain. That's what blockchain allows for, but none of these stable coins have really done that. Now, if we move on to the next token, which is true token, I do like True Token a little bit better because they have real-time attestations. Um, so it's a little bit more legitimized to a degree because you know they're putting in that work to show that proof. They're still centralized like any other stable coin um, that's fiat backed. And you know, this gives you an idea because they've got multiple coins here, so you can see how they're all backed. But you know, at the end of the day, um, you've still got to some degree rely on whatever thing is doing this. I mean, this is Trust Explorer that does uh, by, I guess, Armanino. And you're still kind of trusting their software and trusting that they're not doing this wrong as well. And, you know, people say, oh, but it's a third party, so it's fine. It's like, well, what stops them from paying off the third party or doing anything else that you just assume? It's like, oh, well, they have a reputation. It's like, okay, maybe, but... There's nothing that really stops them from lying. Um, so it's always possible. There's always the possibility of that being the case. Gemini dollar is another popular cryptocurrency. Um, again, just like the rest, they give their own attestations. They were apparently audited, but 
Again, I mean, I don't know how accurate these audits really are. They don't usually give that much information, but at the end of the day, you know, you can either take their word from it or you can rely on the actual evidence that no one has really presented. So, you know, it is what it is. They were um, audited by, um, I guess, Trail of Bits as well as um, Deloitte, unless that's owned by Deloitte, but that is a pretty notable company. So that's good that they were able to at least get that under their belt. But at the same time, I will also note that because Gemini is such a small market cap and compared to all the other stable coins, like it's only got like 200 million while the rest are in the billions. Um, so in comparison, it is the one of the smallest fish out of the ones that we're looking at today. So it is more possible that they actually could have the amount of money that they say they actually have. Um, because it's so much less that it's more reasonable. Whereas, you know, you look at Tether and you look at like how much Tether is in existence, the amount that they've been printing or, you know, producing or whatever, because they're not necessarily printing it, but they're just creating more and more out of thin air. And we're believing them that they are in fact backing it, but we don't really know that that's true. So you just hope that that money is actually valid, but there's no real easy way to, uh, to verify that. And, uh, their attestation reports are down here at the bottom. You can also see their security audit and all that good stuff. But again, just like everything else, it's a few pages that just kind of generally say, yes, this is correct. Yes, this is correct. And it's like, okay, am I supposed to just rely on that? It doesn't really give me anything, but I'm supposed to just rely on it. So you can either rely on that or, you know, take it with a grain of salt because how are we really supposed to know for sure? And that's the big problem. Again, that's what I said. The theme is today is that you can't really prove that any of these actually have the money backing them aside from trusting some entity that says they do, whether it's them or someone else. Um, and uh, we know that they're not very safe because they can easily blacklist you and do tons of stuff. And they have been, as we saw with the 635 um, for USDT, I'll see if there's any other ones for these other coins to see how many addresses have been blacklisted. And, you know, this is exactly what the banks did in Canada. So there's really not a huge differentiation between stable coins and banks, except that this is much easier for stable coins to do because they have that massive overarching control and it's much faster and easier to deal with, whereas banks are kind of more cumbersome using older technology, et cetera. Um, in terms of uh, USDP, which is the Paxos dollar and Binance's USD, BUSD, same general idea. You can go and check their attestations and this links to them, but you'd never really know how legit they really are. And we know that Binance is pretty centralized. So um, obviously BUSD is very centralized as well. And there's really no way to get away from the problem of centralization in, uh, in stable coins because who else is going to be, you know, forking up that money and, and putting all that effort into securing that and making sure there's no problems. It's really hard to say, but I can't really trust that they're giving me accurate information because they could just be printing way more. And why not? Because if you're just getting one person to verify and 
they don't know what they're doing or um, you've paid them off or whatever, or you're just putting out your own reports and just making things up on the fly makes it very, very easy, a low barrier of entry to getting into that kind of stuff. So that's pretty much everything from uh, my screen sharing perspective. Uh, I'll make sure to touch on the rest of my points that I've got listed out here. But from what I could tell, I like TUSD, True Token, because they do have the real-time attestations, though there's still not an easy way for me to verify that those are correct. Um, but at the end of the day, you do want to still sort of lean towards stable coins that are fiat backed that have a pretty good backing. Um, so probably not so much of using Gemini, which has a very small market cap compared to um, something like USDC or Tether or one of these much larger market cap stable coins, because they're much less likely to be impacted uh, by something like what we saw with UST and Luna. I mean, that's a specific case because they're tied together. Whereas, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, et cetera, none of them are tied to Tether. But with Tether making up such a large portion of the market, if people were to be massively withdrawing that, that would obviously have a massive negative impact on crypto. So, you know, nothing is outside of that bounds of restrictions and, and how they would be impacted in the market as a whole and all that good stuff. So there's many other fiat backed stable coins, but they all generally have these same issues. Mainly uh, they're really centralized and we don't know if they really have as much money as they have. Now you could say also that doesn't matter as long as the end result is that it's all working fine. Uh, sure. But then if a bunch of people are trying to withdraw their money and it turns out that they don't have it, then you've got, again, the same sort of situation that you ran into with banks and the gold standard. And we don't want to be massively inflating these cryptocurrencies when they should be reflecting USD, unless it's really just a reflection of how bad USD really is lately. Um, that makes sense, but it's not nearly as bad as what they've been printing uh, and massively scaling up their liquidity when we don't really know if they have the proper backing to do so. So yeah, they're not really decentralized and they're not trustless. So the real question is, are they really offering us a better solution than what banks were offering? To some degree in terms of convenience and all that stuff, um, I don't think they're really safe or stable. However, they are a necessary evil for the market to work well and for people to be easily getting in and out. Um, that all makes sense to me, but I don't like it and I wouldn't rely on it or trust these types of stable coins. And, uh, you know, we've seen other stable coins try to start up and fail, like Facebook's Libra, uh, which was shut down over antitrust concerns. One's got to wonder, when is the SEC going to start coming after these other cryptocurrencies? However, you realize when looking a little deeper, you know, BlackRock is kind of backing Coinbase. You got like the Winklevoss tins, twins for Gemini. Um, I'm not sure exactly what's backing uh, Binance or who's backing that, but obviously CZ from Binance has a massive amount of control and, um, you know, he could probably deal with that as well. So there's a lot of stuff going on here. At the end of the day, it's all these massive, you know, financial institutions that are in involved in some way or they're doing the same thing anyways as these massive institutions. And um, I'm really concerned where 
this goes and what this really means for crypto. Mostly I'm concerned about how this could impact the markets if this was more widely understood and if people reacted in a way that was going to massively pull out of the market uh, and that would massively negatively impact coins that are not attached to, but um, coin trading pairs with those coins. Uh, if they if it depegs, you know, we'll see a lot of the same issues we recently saw with UST. And we will dive into all that in a future episode. Um, that's pretty much everything for today. I just wanted to cover these main fiat backed stable coins and sort of cover, you know, what they're all about and what the point is, but more so to let you guys know that I don't really think that these are reliable or safe. We'll talk about our algorithmic slash non-collateralized, uh, stable coins, safe and stable. Are they better or worse than fiat backed? We'll talk about all that in the next episode. Again, these fiat backed coins are a necessary evil. I'm not saying you shouldn't use them, but you should be very aware of the consequences that you could get from using them if they ever wanted to do anything to your funds, which, you know, there's no real way for you to prepare for that or do anything aside from uh, using other coins and, and trying to avoid stable coins where possible. But it's much easier said than done. So you guys let me know. What are you doing? Do you use stable coins? Were you aware of how you know centralized their control was and how easy it would be for them to actually take all of your money away, for example, and how they're really not even remotely decentralized? Does that affect your opinion on stable coins? Are you going to continue using them? Uh, do you use fiat backed or some of the other ones that I've listed? Let me know all that good stuff in the comments below and feel free to suggest any coins that you want me to dive into in the next episode where we cover algorithmic coins, namely UST and we'll cover what happened there. And uh, another good one is like uh, Iron and Titan fight or Titan and Iron Finance with their stable coin um, that had a similar demise to what we saw with UST. It seems like many algorithmic stable coins tend to fail over time, especially as they get really popular and then someone can find a way to manipulate that system. Not saying that that's always the case, but generally uh, higher cap coins should be less impacted by things like this. But when you've got algorithmic coins, it's not really adding much more padding. It just adds more potential coins for you to steal or manipulate as we recently saw. There's no 100% accurate um, theory or whatever that has happened yet. People are still trying to figure that out. Hopefully I'll have that set in stone by the time I do the next video and we can talk about that as well. Anyways, let me know what you guys are doing and how you're earning and what you're holding. And if you think stable coins are reliable or safe, let me know all that good stuff in the comments below. And you can also comment hashtag number one ham to let me know that you watched the very end of the video, which I always do greatly appreciate. Anyways, I'm Scott Cunningham, aka Scottsy Business, signing off. Cheers.